Happy Easter. I know this is not the way we traditionally experience Easter. We would much rather be in the sanctuary listening to the brass and singing Christ is risen uh, and seeing the beautiful decorations and, of course, being with each other. But it is what it is, but you really can't ruin the celebration of Easter. It is the greatest day uh, in the life of the church. So today we celebrate Easter. I hope you can do that at home. And uh, we'll begin by reading Luke's account of the resurrection taken from chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Listen to the word of God. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Will you please join me in prayer? God, we thank you for this great day, this celebration of your resurrection. We pray that you would speak to us today a very clear word, uh, Lord, that it would make an impact on our lives and help us to see life and death from a new perspective. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. For the great side service, we huddled together at a small private cemetery on top of a hill in the Rocky Mountains of Montana, overlooking a magnificent valley. It was crystal clear, a brilliant blue sky, no clouds to be seen, but it was very cold, probably right around zero. The pastor read some scripture, said some words, prayed, and committed my dad to God's hands. Because my dad had served in the Navy for 23 years, he was afforded full military honors. Navy personnel then gave my dad his final salute, each shot echoing across the valley. There was a pause and then taps, the traditional song that marks the end of the day was played by a bugler. The American flag that had draped the casket was crisply folded by the two officers. The flag was then given to my sister by one of the officers as 
He said with tears in his eyes, thank you for your dad's service to our country. The casket was then slowly lowered into the ground and we each took a handful of dirt and threw it into the grave. That was it. You know, I didn't want to leave that place that morning. I remember hanging around for a while as others got into their cars and drove to the ranch house. I wanted to say something to my dad. I wanted to tell him one more time that I loved him and that I was going to miss him greatly. But I couldn't do any of that. My dad was dead and there was nothing I could do about it, even for a moment. All kinds of feelings were rushing through me at that point, but the one in particular that I remember was this sense of helplessness. There was nothing I could do to reverse what had just happened. You know, in this modern world with all its miraculous technological advances, there aren't too many situations in life when we come up against something that we actually have absolutely no control over or in some way can't reverse it or fix it. But not death there is this finality to death that is rare in our lives today. There's a certain sense of helplessness, isn't there? When we face death, whether it's our own or the death of a loved one, there's nothing we can do to really turn the clock back or in any ways change the fact that someone has died. We're absolutely powerless. You know, if you've ever been in a similar situation, I think you know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure that the followers of Jesus experienced many of the same th feelings that first Easter morning. You see, they had put so much hope into Jesus. They had really grown to love him deeply. They had given up their whole lives to follow him and trusted him. And when they decided to follow him, I don't think this is where they pictured it would end. I am sure, as the text tells us, they were discouraged, they were sad, they were frightened, confused, and really at a loss as to what to do next. The person who had taught them so much about how to live was dead. Their master, who I am sure at times seemed bigger than life, had died. There's something I want to be very clear about here, and it's this. You know, some people say that Jesus uh, was just sleeping. He wasn't really dead. Now, Jesus wasn't sleeping. He hadn't just passed out for a few days. You don't go through what Jesus went through on the cross and just rest for a few days and then pick yourself up and get on with things. No, I don't think so. Jesus was dead, deceased. The crucifixion was an awful way to die. He was in the grip of death. Jesus was, as the old creed says, crucified, dead, and buried. 
disciples couldn't do anything to bring Jesus back. I am sure they had similar feelings to the ones that I had as I looked at my father's grave. You know what? You can't get much more hopeless than that. I have to be honest with you this morning. Death is awful. It is awful whether it's Christ's death or our death or the death of a loved one. Death is awful. It's final. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. We sort of downplay it in our culture. We hide it. We use euphemisms to describe it like pass on or went to a better place or no longer with us. We sanitize it. We avoid thinking about it. We, even in our nervousness, I think, make jokes about it, like Woody Allen who once said, my death doesn't really scare me, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Now, truly, death is ugly. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's a result of sin entering the world. It wasn't how God designed it from the beginning. It is our final enemy. And on our own, we are powerless against this final enemy. We are all in this inexorable march toward death. And you know what, folks? There is absolutely nothing we can do about it. We may deny it. We may try to delay it. We may take vitamins and work out and get uh, plastic surgery and do all the rest to try to hide the fact that we are dying. But let's be honest. We're dying. There's absolutely nothing that we can do to stop its advance. You know, I heard a story once about a man in his 30s who had two older aunts who kept bugging him to get married. And at <clears throat> every time they were at a family wedding, these aunts would be sure to, that one would sit on his left and one would sit on his right. And when the pastor or the officiant finally uh, pronounced the couple married, they would nudge him and say, you're next, you're next. Well, this, this kind of bugged this guy, so he's trying to figure out a way to stop these two aunts from doing that. So at the next family funeral, he made sure that his aunts sat on one side and the other, and after the funeral is over, he poked one in, with the elbow on one side and the other, and they, he said, you're next, you're next. We're all next, and there's nothing we can do about it. Now, I don't mean to ruin this beautiful Easter Sunday morning, but left to our own devices, we are without power and without hope. That is the bad news. And you have to hear it. You have to feel it. You really have to take it in and know the utter helplessness and hopelessness of the bad news before you really appreciate the good news. Now, you ready for the good news? We're getting to it. It's not going to be all bad news this morning. Okay, here it is. Three words that changed everything. When Mary and Mary returned to the tomb, they heard three words that turned the world upside down. He has risen. He has risen. Now, I'm hoping that you at home 
are saying he is risen indeed because that is what the church does on Easter Sunday morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You know, these are the most powerful words ever uttered in the history of the world. He is risen. God gave the world this wonderful surprise. He pulled off what you could call the great reversal. Now, you got to know it's nothing we have done. We cannot wish death away. We cannot conquer it. We need something much bigger than ourselves, something outside of ourselves to defeat this enemy. And in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has done exactly that. You know, in the resurrection, we perhaps see the nature of God most clearly. We observe a God, a powerful, loving God who is involved in the world, who cares about people, cares about our situation enough to go through an enormous sacrifice to make, make things better for us, to give us hope. In the resurrection, it is so clear that we see the love of God for his people. He who was dead is alive. Jesus Christ is the victor. This is the essence of Easter. And really, folks, this is the heart of the Christian faith. As Paul the Apostle said, if Jesus wasn't raised for the dead, then essentially there is no Christian faith. He is our victory. He made a promise to us, and his promise is this, because I live, you will live also. The resurrection changes everything. Without it, our death is final. Without it, we are moving toward the end. Without it, at the end of life, there is nothing, or maybe even worse. Without it, the resurrection, we are without hope. But in the resurrection, God has provided a new way. The resurrection is the great reversal. It makes all the difference. God has changed everything. He's reversed sin and death. And because of that, everything has changed. It's the great reversal. In the resurrection, God takes what seems to be a terrible failure and turns it into the greatest victory the world has ever seen. In the resurrection, God takes a hopeless situation and transforms it into something which has given hope to billions of people ever since. In the resurrection, God takes tears of sadness and turns them into tears of joy. And in the resurrection... God, in his infinite power, has defeated our final and worst enemy. In the resurrection, God has given us a way out. He's changed everything. Now, when you think about it, the resurrection, it marks the beginning of a whole new reality, an entirely new paradigm Nothing, you know, was really quite the same after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know what it means? Now listen to this. It 
is truly a different way to see life and death. We can look at life and death through the lens of Easter. We can have Easter pers- perspective. You see, I think most of the time we think that we are in the land of the living, moving toward the land of the dying. But because of the resurrection, all that changes. We are moving not toward death, but ultimately toward life. We see our birth as the beginning of life, and we are moving toward the end, toward the ending. But the great reversal totally changes that. We are not moving toward the end, but toward the beginning. To look at life through the lens of the resurrection, to have an Easter perspective, means that we are in the land of the dying, moving toward the land of the living. Do you see how it changes everything? It's a whole new paradigm. Our death is really the beginning of new life. Death is no longer our enemy, it has been defeated. So much, in fact, that when we really begin to see life through the lens of the resurrection, we can say with Paul the Apostle, as he did in Philippians, for me to live is Christ. Life here on earth is good with Christ, but to die is gain. Ah, to die is even better to be with Christ. I heard a story of a man who had fought a long, hard battle with disease. On what turned out to be the last day of his life, a friend asked him how he was doing. And realizing that he was nearing death, he said this, Well, I'm almost well. Do you see how it changes everything? We have no reason to fear death when we know Jesus Christ. You know, I'm kind of a World War II buff. It's a fascinating time in history and produced some great people. Sir Winston Churchill is, is one of my heroes. And I think what I loved about Churchill was he was a man of tremendous courage and, and hope. I think you could say that his hope empowered Britain to defeat defeat the Nazis. While London was being mercilessly bombed by the Nazis, Churchill was in his underground bunker listening to the bombs exploding up above him, planning the invasion of the continent and the Allied victory. He was a man of faith. He had Easter perspective Churchill arranged his own funeral. There were stately hymns, beautiful liturgy in St. Paul's Cathedral. But at the end of the service, Churchill had an unusual event planned that surprised everyone. After the benediction that, of course, traditionally marks the end of the service, a bugler high in that beautiful dome of St. Paul's played taps, just like they did at my dad's service. And taps, you know, is the universal signal that the day is over. And then there was this long, quiet pause. And then a bugler on the other side of the dome began playing Reveille, the military wake-up call to mark the beginning 
of a new day. It was Churchill's way of communicating that because of the resurrection, while we may say goodnight here, it is really good morning. His life had not ended. It really had just begun. When Winston Churchill died, he was more alive than ever. Now, how can we make such a bold statement? Because we believe in Jesus Christ who said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Not only will we live, but the best is yet to come. Friends, be encouraged today. The best is yet to come. Because someday, Scripture tells us, all of creation will be resurrected. All of creation will be redeemed. Someday, all things will be given a new birth, will be made new. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, a place where there will be no more pain or sorrow, or cancer, or heart disease, or racism, or sexism, or war, or mental illness, or poverty, or, or disease. No more saying goodbye to the, our loved ones. A place we are promised where every tear will be wiped away, and we will enjoy God forever. That is the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of Easter, and that's the hope we celebrate today and every Sunday and every day. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for how you have provided us a way out that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have uh, conquered our greatest enemy, our final, final enemy, that you have nailed sin and death to the cross and that Jesus is the victor and his victory is our victory. Lord, help us to live with that hope, that truth being central to our lives. And may that hope and that truth bring us joy and confidence each day. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.